serve a living God, a living God. We don't have to conjure up something on our own, but the Bible does say to stir up the gift of God in you. Stir up the gift. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. You've got the gift. the gift the world is hungry for this whether they know it or not we've got the gift the message Paul wrote to his church in Thessalonians we started a bit first chapter he really is what he's writing back to this young church is basically Paul wasn't able to stay as long as he wanted to. And it'd be kind of like um, having a child and not being able to be there for the length of the process of bringing up that child in comparison. See, Paul was called by God to, to go out and preach and move around as a missionary. And he had trials, he had struggles, he had all kinds of physical you know, storms, things that would come up against him. Satan would try to thwart his, his travels. Uh, Satan tried to kill him. You know, it, it's, been, it's been uphill battle. Because let me just share this. When you step on the line, when you step in the line with Jesus, you made yourself an enemy. Satan hates us now. But I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. We ought to be his biggest threat. The church of Jesus Christ ought to be Satan's biggest threat. A praying church, a praying people ought to be Satan's biggest fear. We are to be the salt. We are to be the light. And so Paul is excited to get back a report that these young believers are going on. And it's to his uh, joy that he says to them, you guys have become an example to all the believers at the young church. But they're setting the pace, they're setting the example for the other believers. And I called that message last Sunday, off to a good start. The second chapter, we're going to call it Staying on the core, staying with the, the core, staying. One thing to get started right is a good thing, but we got to keep it up. We got to keep running the race. We got to put one foot in front of the other. And basically, it comes down to this it's not really how we start, it's how we finish this race. As long as we're finishing the race, we're, you know, we can, we can mess up. We can fall and stumble. We can make mistakes. We can sin, but God has uh, his blood that was shed for us. He has, we have access to him. And so I'll begin reading a few verses. Chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. Nothing worse. If you've ever had something that you've done in life that turned out to be all in vain. Come on. Come on. And I thought about that verse. What is it in this life 
that is really not in vain, except what's done for Christ. And I'm not talking about our, you know, I, we, have, we all have to make a living. And the Bible says as long as we have food and clothing, the basics, we can be happy. If we have Jesus, really, what, how can that be? The fact of the matter is that we have our priorities. And if God blesses us, so be it. Bless others with the blessings he gives to you. God wants to bless, I think, many times because he knows you can bless others. And it will not become a hindrance. And it's a good thing. But only having the basics does not make us poor through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ himself is the one who makes us rich. So nothing that we do for him is in vain as we do it so long as we do it as unto the Lord. Your mundane duties, your household duties, your paying the bills, etc., 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 is all becomes an attitude as unto the Lord. And God will bless the attitude of thanksgiving. And so, what was Paul saying? He was a bit concerned that he would have heard something like this. Well, ever since Paul left, the church fell apart. You know, wolves came in, false prophets came in, teachers that were not of the truth. And this can happen. <clears throat> Most, it was probably one of Paul's, I would say it was right up there with one of his main concerns, as, as he had concerns for all the churches. Besides all the energy, physical demands on his life, he says that he had the churches on his heart. He had people die. He was walked away in the cell. He would remember the people. He took advantage. And God used his time that he was locked away. So we have a large portion of the New Testament written for us today. God doesn't waste anything. We can serve him wherever he places us. We can be a servant. Well, we have to, we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi. Let me just clue you in. This, this is the portion, this is the part where you probably heard about Paul and Silas in the south at about midnight. Let's sing. Right? They've already been beaten half to death, punished because they were preaching the gospel. And now they're locked in stocks. And about midnight, one of them says, let's sing. What are they saying? I don't know. They had something. Whatever the song was, it brought their hearts they lifted their spirits. They began to sense God was in their midst. And in fact, an earthquake happened. And you know what happened? They got out. They got loose. Jailer's head was on the line. It was their, his life. If they escaped, it was his head. 
And he was afraid. And he cried out. And he saw the power of God. He saw the prisons shaking. He saw these men loosened. And he cries out, what must I do to be saved? In other words, what must I do to have what you have? What do I need to do to live like that? What the world is looking for today is genuine faith-believing people walking in the Spirit, walking not perfection, but people that have come to realize and understand their God, who he is, and how they walk by faith. Not to say that you'll never have a bad day. That's not what I'm talking about. But you're having this idea, this understanding that God is doing something far beyond your imagination, far beyond your understanding. When you don't have a clue, why is this happening to me now? You see what I'm saying? I, Paul probably had days when he felt like, why am I here? Why am I locked up? Why can't I be out preaching? Wouldn't that make more sense? Many times God's ways don't make sense to us. Right? And when you start to doubt a little bit, maybe just a little bit, maybe wonder what, what, what am I doing wrong here? Maybe not doing anything wrong. And so it turns around. When they got out of that prison, they were in better shape than when they came in. Because they went right back out with more boldness. More of a testimony. Become more of a firebrand for God. I'm convinced that trials build spiritual, we could say muscle, spiritual strength. Faith is something that is, needs to be exercised. We will be tested. We will be challenged. And we are called by God to keep the faith. Keep the faith. Stay on the course. Some of you have been through this before. Some of you have lived in the faith a longer time than I have. And you've seen things come. You've seen things go. Someone said, this too shall pass. One of our sisters, I believe it was in the Lord. This too shall pass. In other words, they've lived this understand there are seasons with God. There are seasons in our life. There are seasons. There are things that we go through and we come back around. And then, we're, then we thought we just, we've just been through that. And now why are we going back through it again or something similar? How are you with me? Huh? Just as soon as you thought you had it. You know, where does this idea come that become a Christian means that we'll have it? Everything will be just great hunky-dory. Where does that come from? I don't see that in scripture. I do this. I know this. We'll have a peace. But listen. Satan hates the church. Hates believers. And we'll see in a bit how Paul had it in his mind to go in a direction. But he says Satan 
thwarted his plans. Thwarted. I like to think that that word thwarted has something to do with almost like a side swipe, like a, a blind side. We didn't see it coming. But we were not surprised. But greater is he that is in you. You see, we are, we are called by God to go forward in spite of what the opposition may be. We are called by God to walk forward in spite we may not see right away the results. Could you imagine being one of the guys marching around the walls of Jericho as we did this once a day, six days, I believe it was, and the last day they marched around seven times, not speaking a word. Don't say anything. That's really hard for people that like to talk, right? It's really hard. But only when the trumpets sound, only when they give the blast, now, shout. And you know what happened? They rushed in. They took the city. God took it for them. God took it for them. The walls fell flat. How many need some walls to fall flat? I mean, there's something that you're facing. You need some walls to fall flat. You need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. You need a God thing. You need a miracle. You need God to show up. He likes to do that. God likes to be God. God will be God. No one can change God. We must change because he's God. Therefore, we change. He changes us. And so all this has been this stirring, this stirring that, that, that Paul is writing back. He's saying to this, his young believers, you guys have been a great example. You guys are on the right track. And when I came to you, verse 5, we never came with flattering speech. It doesn't, it doesn't change people. Flattering speech doesn't change people. The convictor, the Holy Spirit bringing truth by the power of the Holy Spirit changes lives. God, the Holy Spirit, makes the change. And here's a good one, verse 4, backing up. Paul's saying, we were entrusted with the gospel. So we speak, not as pleasing men, but God. I love this. Not as pleasing men, but God. What's, what's my goal in life? What should be my goal in life? I think that should be a good one right there. Let's be God pleasers. Let's be God pleasers. When, when the world says, do what you want to do. It's your life, whatever. Make it up. God is saying, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, take up your cross. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. What's he talking about? In other words, Paul's life when he was four, he was converted. It was all about he thought he was doing God a service by killing the believers and Christians only to find out he was in opposition to God. Wouldn't that be a wake-up call? 
I was once going this way. I was in exact opposition to our God. But God turned me and awakened me. We, we, we heard our brother last night. His heart was going out to his, his, his Buddhist, the ministry that God has called him to the Buddhist uh, nationality there in Thailand and now in some other places. And he mentioned this was very, very challenging. God is moving by visions in the Muslim world, big time. And he said this, most conversion in the Muslim is related to a dream that they had. Jesus came and visited him, showed himself. And he said, why isn't he doing it to the Buddhist? And he got to thinking, there's not the prayer force. And so what he's challenging us is you can get on board with the prayer team. And he wants to help build a prayer force. See, this thing is bigger, way bigger than we can imagine. We're no match for the enemy, but the enemy is no match for God. And we can resist the devil. He will flee from you in the name of Jesus. We must be able to learn how to walk, to fight the good fight. And Paul has, has learned this time and time again. Back to that story before they were thrown into prison. Paul and Silas about midnight began to sing songs. If you read that story, it's in the book of Acts. You read that Paul was just minding his own business. Acts chapter 16, if you want to read it sometime. They were basically, Paul was minding his own business, looking for a quiet place to pray. And he went by this stream or river, and he settled in there for a bit. And then he found some believers, and he began to speak to them. And, and they had encouraging time. But about the same time, there was this sorceress, this is woman who was basically working for a person doing her thing demonically. And that person was, was beginning to really get under the skin of Paul. He was annoying. He was calling Paul names. Remember what happened? He said, in the name of Jesus. Basically, put it to an end in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we have to allow the Holy Spirit to rise up in us and say, enough is enough. And you get alone and you just cry out. Cry out. And the voice, your voice, your heart is heard by the heavens. And there is a host of angelic being that comes to our aid and fights that battle, fights that spiritual enemy and drives him out and forces him back and puts him in his place. You see that we read in the, in the book, we read in the book of Revelation that Satan's day is coming. His day is coming. His days are numbered and no doubt he knows that and he is all the more retaliating, trying to stir up and drag everyone down as he can. But guess what? The church wins. Satan is put in his place. He will be cast into the lake of fire. He will be, and he knows that. Let's not give him an inch. Let's give the Lord all that we have. We started with our Lord, wherever that may be for you, whether maybe it was a young person, maybe you were uh, further into your years. 
Maybe you struggled. Maybe you've come back wherever you had. God always has a fresh start for us, a fresh beginning for us. He always has fresh oil, fresh water, fresh bread, fresh insight into the things of God. We are not out to just please ourselves, but we now have been bought with a price. We can glorify God. Now that we do. Sometimes we think Paul was this raging person, and perhaps he was quite fired up. It seems you get the personality of Paul. I would say that my, Linda, my sister would probably liken him to a brother Norman, right? Just a firebrand for God. Preached hard, prayed hard. You knew you were in the presence of God, no doubt. You knew he spent time with God. But here it says uh, a bit later, uh, verse 7, we prove to be gentle among you. Where Paul got stirred oftentimes was against the, the oppositioners. When he felt that there was a threat to the church, when he felt they were people who were false teachers, he would call them out. And if they didn't want a reason, they weren't on the same page, if they weren't serving the true God, he dealt with it. We see with his people, his children, he ministered an affection. He says like a mother tenderly caring for his own, having thus a fond affection for you. We were well pleased to impart to you only the gospel of God, but also our lives. In other words, he's saying, I was willing to lay down my life for you. In fact, I risked my life for you. And he goes on and says, I recall, brethren, the labor and hardship, how working night and day, and you, some of you would say amen to that, working night and day, night and day, night and day. Right? You got young children, you're working night and day. You've got teenagers, you're working night and day. You're, it's always, oh, I get trouble for this one. The cell phones keep people up night and day now. I notice that. It's just I throw that in there. Beware of that. Be cautious. What did Paul say? I don't let, I don't let things master me. What does he mean? He was talking about foods at the time. He was talking about foods. I don't let things become controlling. We're living in a different age. We're living in a... We're being challenged to have a relationship, to be able to communicate. You still love me? I didn't hear nothing. It's okay. Your life, your life, I think I said this last week, speaks loud. Your lifestyle is probably affecting more people than you realize. And it's a good thing. 
It can be a bad thing, but it can be a good thing. But what we want to do when Jesus comes into our hearts is that we want to build people up around us. We want to pull people into this family so that we can together bear each other's burdens, that we together can go further than by ourselves, that we together are going to take the land, that we are going to reach further than by ourselves. And so Jesus spent a lot of his time one and one making disciples pouring into the 12 I would say knuckleheads at time yeah you didn't get it they were slow to learn but we, we were no different right Jesus saw something past their knuckleheadness and he saw nuggets gold gems that we become the pillars of the early church in fact he saw past you see these guys are going to give their lives for me you can't convince me that they stole the body of jesus why would any guys go out and preach the gospel because the body of jesus was taken away they saw him back from the dead. They talked with him. They listened to what he had to say. He appeared to them. He came into the room with them. He spoke into their lives. He said, this is what you guys are going to do. You're going to go out into all the world. And this is what my church is going to do. You're going to go all around this world and make disciples. That's, what, that, that's the course. That's the strategy. That's the race that's the run we're on let's not forget what we're doing and why we're doing it all boils down to this so we can walk with jesus into heaven someday and see him i spent my time i tried to live my life that would encourage others to want to know Jesus. Not everyone's going to want it. It's not going to happen. But thanks be to Jesus. God is so fired up when his church is doing that which he's called. All heaven erupts, I said earlier, when one sinner comes home. There are going to be campers at camp. There are going to be young people this week. They're going to go to the altars. They're going to pray through. Some are going to give their hearts to Jesus for the first time. Some are going to be recommitted. Some are going to be healed. Some are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some are going to be called into ministry. That's the God we serve. That's what's going to change the nation. That's what's going to turn things around. That's what Joel prophesied. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. God is with us. How close are we to the end? Not that's the message, but <laughs> we're getting close to the end. But I'm talking about the end. We can't put a date on it. But are you sensing something 
this world is reeking, it's spinning, chaotic, as in the days of Noah. So shall be when the Son of Man cometh. They thought they had it all together, drinking and living it up, living for themselves, caring less about the things of God. You see, we are going to get to that eventually in this little book of that first Thessalonians. They had questions. It's okay. If you have questions, ask God. Look in the Word or ask other people you respect. Ask questions. If you're, they don't have the answer, don't give up. But here's the deal. These young believers weren't sure what's going to happen. What's this thing? What's, what's the end time? And we'll get to this later. But they had questions about when is the Lord coming back? Because when Jesus left his disciples, he said, I'm coming back just as you've seen me go. And he went up into the cloud, went to heaven. But Jesus is coming back for his church to catch us up into heaven forever. When having that in view, just having that in view in your race gives you energy. It should motivate you not only to be ready yourself, but to warn others about the day's coming. So we have a great, great call upon our lives. This whole idea that we start out Wherever we start out, we start out, for me, it was a young boy at an altar in Aiken. I could take you right to the building. If it's, I think it's still standing, isn't it, Linda, that little white building? That's where we started. We'll keep going. No matter where you started, keep going. Keep going. It's going to be worth it. Absolutely. Well, this long, uh, the last song we're going to sing talk, talked about, for now we may feel pain. For now we stand in faith. For now your spirit moves. For now we reach for you. We are, we are here. Here we are living on the edge of heaven. We're on the edge. We're on the edge. It could happen any moment. What a wonderful hope. Ellen is more alive, our, my cousin, Dwayne's wife, and that's mom, grandmother, passed away three months, something like that. She walked with Jesus as long as I can remember. You see, what are we hanging on to this life so tightly sometimes? That's my challenge. To have a loose grip, just sort of 
we'll do, we're going to do our, but we're going to work hard. We're going to be a steward. We're going we're to try to bless what he calls, I'm, I'm out of here. When he blows, I'm out of here. It's kind of like having a loose grip. And at camp, this family camp last couple, couple weeks back, the speaker led the morning. James Bradford who led the morning study. He talked about he's a pastor at Central Assembly in Missouri. And he talked about using your hands to praise him and lift him up. And that we receive from the Lord. But then he talked about doing this. Letting go. Let it go. Moses was asked by God to lay down your staff. Anything that we hang on to that begins to take its place that God wants, we've got to let it go. It's not, God is your only secure. God wants all that. He wants to be all your security. And so let's sing this, just concluding.